Then remember the second cause of pain and suffering, our ego is so limited. We have very senses of perception, very little. We cannot do all this. But through the scripture, yoga, and spending lots of time quietly a little bit, you'll be able to realize it is everything's perfect. Welcome to A Way of Thinking. I'm your host, Jessica Huang. This podcast is a place of exploration to learn and grow from each other on the journey to becoming our best selves. My own journey has taken me from a decade-long corporate finance career to living in my dharma as a self-love coach. I help people move from an unfulfilled career to following their dharma into a meaningful and aligned career and life. Now let's dive into today's show. Today's episode is a very special episode. My guest today is Sri Dharma Mitra, living legend and founder of the Dharma Yoga Center. Sri Dharma Mitra was born in Brazil. He found yoga as a teenager before moving to New York in 1964 to study under Sri Swami Kailashananda, also known as Yogi Gupta. He founded one of the early independent schools of yoga in 1975. Sri Dharma is the model and creator of the master yoga chart of 908 postures, the author of Asanas, 608 yoga poses, the life of a yogi teacher's manual, and yoga wisdom. He has two DVDs, Mahasadana levels one and two. Today, at 83 years old, Sri Dharma Mitra continues to teach via classes, workshops, and the life of a yogi teacher trainings at Dharma Yoga Center located on 24th Street and 6th Avenue in New York City and all around the world. On a personal note, Sri Dharma Mitra has been my teacher for the last six years. I took part in both the 200 and 500 hour Life of a Yogi teacher trainings and will be taking the 800 hour teacher training in a few short weeks. These trainings are true to their name, teaching so much more than the physical asana practice. It really is the life of a yogi. Dharma yoga is rooted in compassion, and it is in that foundation that I live my life. It is a joy and honor to be a part of the Dharma yoga community and learn from a living yoga master. This podcast, in many ways, is dedicated to all that I have learned from Sri Dharma. I am immensely grateful to him. And now I am honored to present my conversation with Sri Dharma Mitra. Today, I have the incredible honor of interviewing living legends and my own yoga teacher, Sri Dharma Mitra. So Dharma, thank you so very much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. And would you begin um, our session with the OM? I am ready for your questions. Wonderful. All right. So, Dharma, I would love to start with, you know, your your name happens to be Dharma. So I would love to start there with what does it mean to follow your dharma and what has that looked like for you? 
Dharma has many meanings, but what I meant by that is about tendencies. Everybody has their own tendencies according to their stages of life, according to what they have done, according to the present conditions. Everybody has a tendency. Let's say a musician has the tendency to become a musician. Some people have tendency to, for invention. What I meant is this, someone should look inside of your own self and see your tendencies. Are your tendencies more for devotion or to do asanas? <laughs> Or if you are intelligent, to find yoga through Guiana yoga, by intelligence through the books. That's what is meant, to follow your own tendencies. And what has that been like for you, to follow your dharma? Well, if we follow our tendencies, we can succeed. Even if the tendency, even if we cannot perform it perfectly, it's better than performing something perfectly, but someone else's tendency. So do your own, <laughs> work on your own tendency, but don't worry about the results. You will get the best of it. <laughs> so... To go a little back, you spent many years studying under Swami Kalashinanda. And I would love to hear, you know, many of us will not experience, you know, living in an ashram for years um, the way that you have. So can you talk a little bit about your experience at the ashram and what it was like to be the celestial handyman? Since young, I had this natural tendency to follow something, to find through religion or somewhere to get some answers. And I have this power, I don't know, this strong power within me to be able to renounce some of the pleasures of the world in order to dedicate all that time for self-realization to find some answers of about reality, about the Lord, about what is real, what is not real. So I really dedicate myself full-time for the practice of yoga. Every moment, every effort was towards yoga. And I went through, through lots of pain and suffering, especially renouncing your family, your friends, everything, to be in a country where you cannot even speak the language yet, was lots of pain and suffering, loneliness, you know, when you live just by yourself, even if you have the guru there with all these beautiful scriptures, you cannot experience anything spiritual yet due to lots of impurities inside my mind, my heart. 
So then I went through that many years, and then some doubt started getting removed. I started feeling a little bit comfortable, but deep in my heart, there was a little spot, empty spot. I want to experience human love properly. <laughs> I want to see what's is to get married, to raise children, to pass through all these emotions and pain and nice emotions to raise children, to be loved, to share the way. So that empty spot in my heart was filled when I got married. Most of the sages were married once. <laughs> but it was a great experience. That emptiness in the heart was covered. I still feel like my next time I return, I want to go through the human love again because it looked like I didn't do it properly. Something is not perfectly this time. And that doesn't affect me towards what I learn about reality. It's something that we have to pass through human love perfectly first. And then divine love is coming after that. So it was lots of good experience despite of the disappointment, attachment was great. Looked like we were more satisfied. Some of the desires are off the heart and the mind. You feel more in peace and joy. <laughs> That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I forgot to tell you that I have good tendencies to fix anything. Everything I touch by inner intuition and now I just my hand, my head, my you know, you use a little bit of your intelligence. You can do almost everything. Let's say in the ashram there, I remember I I put 14 air conditions. I changed toilets. I changed plumbing. I fixed all the electrical system. Not legally the way it is, but I could do anything. <laughs> if the uh, play uh, recording machine breaks, for some reason I open it in the dark. I could see a little spot here clicking, uh, light, and then I said it's there, and was right there. I have the ability to fix anything. Plumbing, electricity, electronic, food, and then I was, my name was a celestial handyman. I had the tendency to fix anything. Yes, it sounds very <laughs> intuition-based. It is great. <laughs> Great uh, tendency. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like proud I did it, but look like it was there already from the past. It just naturally there. I like to invent things. All this uh, is there. I enjoy all this emotion to fix things. It's so nice when you fix something. Then I, from there, I start fixing people. <laughs> <laughs> fixing their mind with the help of the scripture. Now I'm becoming a real celestial handyman for people. <laughs> <laughs>
Amazing. So you were talking a bit about that transition. So what do you feel like was the greatest learning that you had when moving from being a renunciate to being a householder yogi? Well, in the beginning, I learned I was very, I have some bad tendencies to shoot out. I thought I was the only one, very few, that get that ability to renounce. So for the first three years, I renounced lots of things. But I could not hold it after three years. The temptations deep in the heart. I said, maybe I even have to get married. It's not to renounce everything. I cannot hold all these. And then I realized that it is a very slow process. It takes many years just to lose attachment to people, to your family. Food. I still work on food after 60 years. <laughs> I still work on food and other things slowly. So it's a long process and lots of failures. I like failures because every time you get a, a failure, you get this positive, angry determination. You stand up and try again and try and try try. And constant trials comes with success. You succeed. So was lots of pain, disappointment is a gradual thing. Some souls are older. They can go through that a, a little faster. So everybody's different. So I learned that we have to go very slow. Step by step, but steady. I went for the first three years too fast, and then I fell. Mm. I fell all the way down to zero. <laughs> and then I realized that many years now to go slowly from where I left it. But now, steady. Be always patient. No rush. Just keep going. Keep going and going gradually. Your guru help a little bit, discreetish. So it is a slow process. Painful, but deep inside you enjoy. Because from that pain it generates say, more bliss, more impurities, less attachment. So can you talk a little bit more about developing that steadiness? How do we not be too strict with ourselves in the process? Well, it concerns what you just heard, the steadiness of practice. Don't make a practice too big. Make your practice later, but steady every day. Don't miss it. Five minutes, but every day is better than 10 hours today, and then you miss for a week. And you don't make any progress like that. So, small, steady practice, little, but steady. And then you go step by step without falling back. So, constant practice is the secret 
of success. Thank you, Dharma. So for Dharma yoga, I feel that the, um, the basis is always in ahimsa, in compassion. And so can you talk a bit about how we can establish more compassion in our lives for ourselves and for all beings? Mm-hmm. That is according to our tendencies. All the souls automatically have the compassion in different levels, higher. Let's say you have lots of compassion to your loved one, to your children, to your pets. But when you go through a little bit of self-knowledge about Atmas dwelling in all beings, equally present in all beings, and then gradually you, you will realize that the action of compassion is to see yourself in others. Now, how to go beyond others, beyond your pets, the animals, they're exactly the same. All beings fear violence. All beings are made to love, not to eat. All beings suffer. Some of them go to emotions like dogs and horses and elephants has emotion like us. So if you use your intelligence, your compassion, go a little bit beyond your pets. And then if you read the scripture a little bit, especially the Bhagavad Gita, there are the Dhammapada from Lord Buddha, the other scriptures, it, you realize that the Lord is dwelling in all beings. And all beings are children of the same Father. You understand? Mm-hmm. Remember also, all beings deep into the past when they were younger so everybody eats meat. And the, the compassion was very little. And then I realized that if you keep compassion properly, you don't have to go through the other steps of the ethical rules, the commandment, thou shall not steal, thou shall not lie, thou shall not hoard anything. So... If your compassion is really good, how can you steal for someone that you have compassion? It's impossible. So the compassion is the foundation because from that compassion, it is already the first step of self-realization to realize the self in all beings. And that generates one of the powers of yoga. When your compassion is good, you'll be able to sense subtle things. Let's say if you you read the scripture, you almost can sense the reality of it, the meaning, the real meaning. If you're going to tell something about reincarnation, you almost can sense their reality. You don't have to. That is due to compassion. If you have compassion, you're almost there. And then from there, you become. I'd say you develop what enthusiasm 
more enthusiasm towards your practice, more practice, more success, and then you develop another one. The reverence, respect to your teacher, <laughs> to your guru, to your spiritual preceptor, and then he'll guide you to the rest. So compassion is the foundation. And compassion are in all levels, from the grossest to the infinite. <laughs> so we keep coming. Dama, um, I would love to talk a little more about the kleshas. So um, some of the kleshas are around attachment and aversion. So can you talk about how we can find greater peace with dealing with attachment and aversion? Mm -hmm. Well, again, according to our conditions, we are affected by karmas, the tendencies, the impressions from our past deeds from the past. They may come any moment that you're not, you are, we are not expecting. They come out and sometimes, let's say you're peaceful here, and suddenly you'll be bombarded by cravings of eating or sex or anything else. Or sometimes you're really in peace, and sometimes you are invaded by thoughts, impure thoughts, and uh, all these uh, look like psychic attacks due to your deeds from the past. But if you already have the knowledge about all these impressions and, and about what we really are, we are this eternal witness that all these impressions are our own fault, are our wrong creation. We passed with peacefully, despite of the pain and suffering, deep inside we are content and peacefully, so, because we know they are just passing. And also we really 100% know almost that is our own creation from the past. And all the pain and all the suffering has one purpose, for the cleaning of the mind in order to enter the kingdom of God, or in order to understand the real meaning of the scriptures. So there are many joyful things and many unpleasant things. Everybody passed through it. And everybody are different. Some people are less joy, more pain. Some people are more pain, less joy. So everything is just perfect. It's part of the, the meaning of life. We have to pass through everything. Mm -hmm. So along those lines, what is your advice for when you feel like you're, you have fallen off the path due to your karmas? Well, according to everybody's conditions, some people get up very quickly. <laughs> if you have good common knowledge, whatever I have inside, I just jump quickly and try to correct it and repeat it. No matter how many times I have to repeat, 
for me, I like challenge. The more painful, more difficult. I want to see myself go through it. Like I want to see this handman <laughs> get better in fixing every condition. You know why? I like all these experiences. I passed through lots of experience. Some of them I cannot even mention here. And then I will never criticize any students. You understand? No matter what they do, perfect, because I have done even worse than them. And I know that's part of life. So you don't see fault in anybody anymore because you pass through all this, and then you know how to guide others. You don't see anybody different from anybody. You understand? It helps to experience all that. Mm. Okay, so this is a little bit of a shift, but something that was really coming to me was, you know, we're, we're often challenged by the sickness or, or the death of a loved one. And ultimately, our own death is something that all human beings fear. It's a natural fear. So what are your thoughts around how we find greater peace with sickness and death? Okay. That is very simple. I was very, I would say, enthusiastic about the laws of karma, reincarnation. And the laws of karma is amazing if you realize that everything that moves has a perfect reason why it's moving, and everything that moves also generates a perfect result. And that one is going to work on the next. So when you know that, when people your loved one pass away, of course, it is a natural for us to feel. Sometimes you miss the body, the body, not the soul, because the body, that, that body, we are not going to see it like this in next life. So many people are screaming and hurt because they know you are not going to see that person like that anymore. Because next time when the person returns, he may be in different body, maybe in different boy or girl. So when you know that everything moves, you know, is a natural process, everything passes through one body to the next. You should be happy because someone is changing the body to a new one so that he can continue his evolution. Evolution is the body and the mind. The soul does not evolve, it's always the same. But no matter what I see today, today we have so many things happening here, it hurt a little bit, but deep inside with the knowledge, perfect. Everybody has their own karma. Remember the Lord, our Father is perfect. All his creations perfect. He does not allow someone to suffer more than what he's supposed to suffer. So the Lord is watching everything. And from our standpoint of view, 
most of our pain is because we don't know why we are suffering. <laughs> but if you learn how you're suffering, you'll be jumping of happiness. Good for you. I think you, I deserve one more. <laughs> so knowledge of reincarnation, karma, you'll be able to cope with anything. So you often say this exact phrase, this everything is perfect. And I think a lot of people find that very challenging to live by that notion. So can you talk a little more about that? Well, perfect from the standpoint of view of reality, one who realized the loss, the natural loss that every, how to say, every action generates a perfect reaction, right? <laughs> Result. This is not only for the physical thing, but everything, the astral, the mental, and keep going. Everything that moves has a reason. Even the, the psychic things that some people believe, right? Let's say some people believe that, let's say um, I am psychic. That bottle going to move from here to here. Mm -hmm. It moves. But that is, it cannot move there without a energy moving it without reason. Because the psychic has the ability to project a power there, a prana, invisible prana energy. In order to push that against the, the forces of physical, natural laws there, gravity, pull, you slide it that way. Things just cannot move like that. So everything has a, how to say, a, a perfect reason why it is moving from there. Because he's projecting some energy that you cannot see. What's in psychic? We cannot see with the physical eyes. But if you could see with the invisible eye, you can see this, this beam of light going there and push the thing the other way. <laughs> so everything that you see happening to you, look behind if you could. It's like we cannot do it. Some people through meditation, they are able to find the cause. So every atom, no matter how, even the atom is made of what? Inf almost infinite made of infinite numbers of specks of light. Light is a vibration. All these vibrations moving according to their own laws of movement, force, speed, light, heat, gravity. <laughs> so everything's moving perfectly. And remember the second cause of pain and suffering, our ego is so limited. We have very Senses of perception are very little. We cannot do all this. But through the scripture, yoga, and spending lots of time quietly a little bit, you'll be able to realize it is everything's perfect. But from here, the mind and the sense are seeing things that it doesn't agree much. 
But if you are able to go behind, you see why you are suffering. Why some people born with a little pimple here? Go back, you're going to see why. <laughs> why some people born in California? The Bay Watch people born there, these gorgeous people there, and daddy has lots of money, don't have to work. They are even healthy, <laughs> healthy their entire life because they had from the past. They did, they loved, they left some fortune there somewhere. So everything is returning perfectly. Why some people are more spiritual than someone else? Because some souls are older than the others. Everybody passed through the same thing. It's this perfect motion. Everybody going to reach enlightenment at the same time. <laughs> as soon as you reach your age, you reach your enlightenment. Every moment, people come into existence. Let's say someone who are coming to existence right now, oh, to reach where I am here, they have to go through over six or ten million years involving gradually body to body, body, <laughs> passion. But anyway, everything is just perfect. Thank you. That is the perfect way to close out this interview. Thank you so much, Dharma. So can you um, close us out with Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti? Mm. What you heard from me is from the scriptures from my guru. Whatever it was stored here, maybe from previous life, and passed through the senses, is what you heard. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Remember, knowledge is not enough. Whatever you heard, you have to reflect upon it. When the time comes, you'll be able to realize. That's it. Check it out. Om Shanti 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 be receptive to the grace of the Lord. Thank you for Thank you, giving me this opportunity. Thank you so much for taking <laughs> the time so to listen to this episode of A Way of Thinking. If you love this episode, please hit the follow button and share this episode with a friend. I hope some of the beautiful wisdom shared today resonates with you and perhaps creates some change in your way of thinking. If you are looking for support in your journey, book a free dream job discovery session with me. Take the first step into following your dharma by clicking the link in the show notes. Remember that I believe in you and I am so excited for the day that you believe in you too. Let's continue learning and growing together.